0: This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Sales EQ, Objections, and Inked, and I'm here to help you fill up your pipeline, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Okay, here's a brutal truth. One of the biggest issues holding salespeople back from closing more deals and reaching their true potential is the lack of follow-up salespeople just don't follow up. On this episode, we're going to be exploring follow-up with Jeff Shore, the man who wrote the book on follow-up, and we're going to be talking about the two superpowers of sales follow-up. Before we get started, though, let's face another truth. Remote work and virtual selling are going to be here for a while. In fact, they're going to be here forever. And with the right sales engagement technology and tools like Connect Leader's Team Dialer and True Cadence, B2B sales reps can be just as productive when they're selling from home. And B2B sales managers are using remote coaching to listen on sales calls, provide guidance live or even after the fact, and help train their sales reps to do and be their best. As a sales manager, you're used to managing, training, and coaching your team at the office. But things change when you're all working virtually and you are trying to coach and lead from your home office. So our friends at Connect Leader have developed a free guide for managing your B2B sales team from home, and it's awesome. And you can get this guide for free at connectleader.com forward slash salesgravy. That's connectleader.com forward slash salesgravy. Now, here's my conversation with Jeff Shore, on the two superpowers of sales follow-up. Now this is Jeff Blunt. I'm back in the clubhouse with Jeff Shore, the author of the brand new book, Follow Up and Close the Sale. And Jeff's one of my very favorite people, is a really good friend. And I've been looking forward to this conversation because following up is a really big deal for salespeople. It's, it's the difference in a lot of cases between getting the sale or having a client ghost you. It's the difference between getting the appointment. And in today's world, being persistent and following up are assets that every salesperson needs to
1: have. So Jeff, welcome to the clubhouse. Hey, thanks. It's, it's uh, great to be here. And uh, we're recording this like first thing in the morning here in California time. And uh, you can't make a sales guy get up at this hour. Come on. What's the, what's the matter with you? No, no, no. Uh, no, I, to me, I, I love the morning hours. I had a business coach who once said, you're either making money or figuring out how to make money. So this is my figure out how to make money time. And I, I, I love those early hours. It's all good.
0: <laughs> I love that. Well, Jeff, I, I guess the question to start with is what was your inspiration for writing this particular book?
1: Well, you know, look, I'm I'm passionate about the subject like you are, but uh, if you go if you do an Amazon search on on follow up books in the first place, it's pretty thin as far as what's out there in the first place. But I think the main concern is that I actually enjoy follow up. I think follow up is fun. I don't think most salespeople do. And so the question is, what do we do to take that stigma off of it that this is one of those laborious chores that everybody hates? And actually make it enjoyable. How do we make that fun? And so I wanted to kind of lean into that, get more salespeople on the follow-up bandwagon. Well, I remember
0: when you were thinking about writing the book, you came to me and said, I'm yeah. thinking about writing a book on follow-up. Yeah. Have you written a book on follow-up? Yeah. I was like, I was like, no, but it's a yeah. great idea to write this book and you go, Well, you can't write it because I've already got it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, listen, I didn't want to compete with you, Jeff. That was the that was the deal. But there is, there's a void on it. Listen, a lot's been written, a lot's been said. Not a lot has been codified into that, that single book. So I wanted to have that sort of resource that you could either read through you know, programmatically or just be able to say, hey, I, I'm really soft in this area. What do I do? And dive into that chapter.
0: Well, you know, salespeople just don't follow up. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I don't know why. Like, I, I, yeah. I've never been able to figure out exactly why people don't. But let me tell you yeah. this really easy story, and, and this may get you fired up. So I speak at a lot of conferences and in a lot of cases, I'll go to the trade show that's attached to the conference because I get to meet salespeople there and meet people that could p- potentially be my customers. I go totally. shake everybody's hands and I went to this one booth and they were making these little tags for bags. And yeah. I was intrigued because it was a really cool looking tag. And I thought this would be great to make those for sales gravy. And then I could put my logo on them and I could hand them out to my clients because they're not that expensive. So I'd, Talk to the salesperson, said, here's my contact information. And if you will call me on Monday, I'll get you everything that you need, including my credit card. And I'd like to place an order for a thousand of them. Yeah. So the salesperson shakes my hand and says, that sounds really, really good. Never called, never followed up, never did anything. I never heard yeah. from them again. Yeah. That just, And it makes no sense to me whatsoever. And I'm not going right. to chase them down because I'm not doing their job for them.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what you would have to do at that point. And, and I, that's what I... So part of the premise that I make is that not following up is inherently disrespectful because you are forcing somebody to do something that, that you're being paid to do. And listen, throughout the book, there are similar stories. I, early on, I had a – right when I was starting to write the book, I had a, a, a ghostwriter actually come to me and say, hey, let me write this book for you. And, and, and she tried to pitch me on the idea. And said, I'll learn your language. I'll write it. All you have to do, Jeff, is you know you have more money than you have time. You give me some of your money, I give you your time back. It was actually a good pitch. It was a good presentation. And then she never followed up. And then I ran into her about three months later. She goes, you never got back to me. That's what she said. You never got back to me. And I'm like, I never got back to you? You didn't follow up about a project about follow-up. How could I, with any integrity, even think about handing you that project? So yeah, I think those stories are out there. But again, when it comes down to the, your original question, like why don't salespeople follow up? I think the brain is always looking for the easiest way to do anything. And I think too many salespeople think that follow-up is not fun and not hard. And therefore, I, no, I'm sorry, not not fun and too hard. And they don't want to lean into it. So what do we do here to make it much more enjoyable and frankly, a lot easier? Because I don't think it's as hard as most salespeople make it out to be.
0: Do you think there's some level of fear that people feel with following up? So and a good example is trade shows are just, they're, they're just wonderful for me because I, you know, you've had the, this happen to you. I've had it happen to me where I've, I've, you know, dropped $50,000 to put a bunch of people in in a, in a trade show. We get a bunch of leads and then you check in 30 days later and there were a lot of handshakes and promises, but nobody ever picked up the phone and called the people and said, Hey, we talked at the trade show. Let's go ahead and get together. Do you think there's just some fear that we had a great conversation? If I call them, then they're probably going to tell me no.
1: Yeah. Right. That's there's the, that, that, leftover baggage of intrusion marketing, am I gonna be seen as a telemarketer? You know, salespeople like to be liked, that's okay. Uh, but I think one of the big problems there that you just pointed out was that oftentimes when we think about our follow-up programs, it's I'm gonna follow up in, in 48 hours or a week or whatever. And I, I would argue that this is, this is ridiculous, it, 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 that, that the emotional altitude has waned so significantly within 48 hours and I'm not saying you're wasting your time, but why would you not want to lean into that conversation while the emotion was still very, very high? So you know, to me, the the two superpowers for salespeople when it comes to follow-up, speed and personalization. If we can get back to these people very, very quickly and make sure that we're bringing in their personal situation into the follow-up, then it's not intrusion marketing. I'm not a telemarketer. I'm not somebody who's calling up to harass you. I'm calling up to help solve your problem. And that's that, that's that speed factor is critical. Most salespeople wait too long to do their follow-up.
0: That's something we've been talking about a lot lately is speed. And it's yep. the old paradigm of follow-up. So we, if we and we've pulled that from the, the days of the pure outside salesperson. And so you have a big territory and your territory is you know, mapped out, maybe Monday territory, Tuesday territory, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So if I meet with you on a Thursday, I'm typically going to set my next meeting for the following Thursday when I'm back yep. in that part of my territory again. Right. And, right. and I think salespeople do the same thing with follow-up. So they've got this paradigm that's, well, I'll follow up in a week. And yeah. I love that you said speed. One, one of the things that we've, we've found to be true in our own business is when we get an inbound lead. So we've got all kinds of lead booklets out there. We've got e, you know eBooks, that type of thing. What we found out is that if we call someone within 30 minutes of them downloading our eBook, that our contact rate and conversation with them is about 50%. So about half of them answer the phone and have a conversation. And of the people that do have a conversation, 80% of them set a future appointment with us. If yeah. we wait a day, the number drops to about five percent. Just yeah. one day, and you think about that—how crazy this! Is. But but if you think about even inbound leads, the, I think the stats are that some something in the neighborhood of fifty to sixty percent of inbound leads never even get a call, never get followed up on.
1: When you think about what marketers refer to as the bounce off rate, when I get to that page on a website that says, "Give me your name and address and email, whatever, and we'll get back to you." What percentage of people bounce off of that page without giving that information? It's about ninety-seven percent across all industries in the United States. So if somebody is going to give you that information, what does it mean? It means that they have a significant need and they're at a time of high emotional altitude. And you know, listen, there's no question about it, Jeff. You you preach the idea that that emotion reigns, that people buy on emotion. Well, the reason why you're having such a success rate calling within 30 minutes of that lead. Is because that emotional altitude is still high. And the longer we wait to call somebody, the more that emotional altitude wanes. Now, even if they do remember that they left something on a website saying, please call me, you're still catching them in a mindset that's not what you want. The earlier, the better. And here's just when you were talking about walking the floor and having a conversation with somebody, if I'm that salesperson that just had a good conversation and I've got your card, what am I going to do? While I see you walking further down the aisle, I'm going to pull out my cell phone. I'm going to pull out. I'm just going to write a quick text message. You know what? I talked to a lot of people, as you would guess. That was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Look forward to chatting with you uh, later on this afternoon or whatever it is. And so what did you just do? Y- you made an impression. You told them that you cared. You put your phone number into their phone, so when you do call, it's already there. You extended that emotional altitude. It cost you zero and it made quite an impact and that's the ideas it it it, the idea of 48 hour follow-up is foolish to me this is crazy
0: so let's let's talk about speed so there's different places in the sales cycle where people people need to follow up can you walk us through from a speed standpoint a couple of the the places that are these sort of these pivot points in the sales conversation where follow-up is necessary and yeah. and and how people should be compressing time in those situations.
1: Yeah, well, I think it starts by looking at it and saying uh, uh, that I'm a contrarian to some with the concept that I'm going to follow up with my leads until they buy or die. And sometimes I look at it and I go, you know what? You got limited resources here. Who do you want to spend time with? Somebody you talked to, you know, six months ago or whatever. Now, if it's a massive account and it's going to take a long time, I totally get it. Lean into that as long as you're continuing to solve their problem, stay with it. But you know, for this small little fish uh, to invest hours and hours over months and months and months, I'm not sure that I fully agree. So I would rather look at it and say that those first few days after the initial presentation are critical in the follow-up uh, uh, timeframe. So that if I can get to somebody, uh, as I said, in that if I'm texting them within minutes after the call first, and then I look at it and I go four hours, the next four hours are gonna be crucial. Because if you made your pitch, and they did not say yes, they said not yet, then what happens in those next four hours are very, very important. They're not going to rush right off to their next thing. They're still processing, they're still researching, they're still thinking. So the emotional altitude stays high. So here's the question, the four hour question, what problem can I solve? What problem can I solve in the next four hours, so that by the time I get back to them, if it's I had an 11 o'clock appointment by three o'clock. Here's a significant problem that I'm going to solve that you may not have been asked for, but this is how I'm going to stay in touch and let you know I'm going to treat you just like I would treat somebody that I'm, I've got a, already got a multi-million dollar account. And we haven't even said yes. So this is the idea. It, the, there's the immediate. If I can get that done very, very quickly, then within four hours is going to be really important. And then if in those four hours, you have not set up the next point of contact, then you've got a significant problem. And I know that you and I are in alignment with this one, that this is not a series of individual contacts. This is one long narrative, and every call harkens back to the last call and sets up to the next call. Everything has to be strung together into one long conversation.
0: So you got, you got that down. Now you talk about personalization. I was with, working with a group of insurance brokers out in Orange County, and they were, uh, they were struggling because they were going to all these networking events with accountants, and they were not getting any, any you know, further sales from it. And so I asked them, like, you know, what happens when you, after you meet them, what do you do? And they were like, well, you know, we just put them in the list, and we follow up at some point in the future. I said, well, that's not going to work for you. You need to follow up within 24 hours. And what I basically say to them is, as soon as you walk away, you send a LinkedIn connection. I mean, literally, I ha- shake your hand, sure. you turn your back, I send a LinkedIn connection. That, that evening, I send you a text message and say, let's go ahead and get together on Thursday. Uh, yeah. And then I'll send you an email and make a phone call, et cetera. Uh, but, but I also advise them, you had a conversation with Jeff, for example, at the conference. And when you were having that conversation, you weren't talking about business, you were talking about how many kids do you have or what have you, that's what we do at events like that. Yeah. On the back of their business card, cause they handed you one, write down some key points. And yeah. then when you send them your LinkedIn connection request, and when you send their text message, you say, you go, um, thank you for so much for telling me about your kid's baseball game. I was so intrigued by your story, looking forward yeah. to connecting. So using right. something personal that you learned in the conversation, I can't remember everything, which is why I usually write those things down. As soon as you turn your back, I go learn yeah. these things. And then I have that information. That's yeah. how I've personalized those types of follow-ups. What do you recommend in terms of personalization?
1: Yeah. Well, it, it, it First of all, if you didn't do your job right initially, you can't personalize. So if your entire sales conversation up to this point has been procedural and product-based and driven by just the tech or whatever it is, uh, you're going to have a very difficult time uh, personalizing. So we have to lean into that relationship and find out what are those nuances about the customer. But here's the way that we frame that. What problems do they need solved? That's always the question, what problems they need solved. If we think about that from all of our follow-up efforts, if I'm constantly thinking, how do I solve problems? How do I solve problems? How do I, Listen, you solve all of their problems. You're their person. That's it. So I'll give you an example of this to, to be able to make it personal. Uh, I was working with a company that installs um, leaf guard systems right there they're, this mm-hmm. is a, these are all their sales that are going to pitch leaf guard. and what do they do they go out to the customer's house they try to get the order they make their presentation you know so so in this case they go it's a first visit they do have all the measurements they have to come back afterwards with a proposal so there's a little waiting time right there i would venture that most salespeople don't take advantage of that waiting time that waiting time nothing happens in the waiting time but this is a great time to increase that personalization well, it comes up in the conversation, uh, in the original presentation, this guy is, he's in his late 60s, and he fell off a ladder cleaning his gutter. His problem is not uh, uh, dirty gutters. His problem is broken leg. Yeah. So as part of the follow-up, he says, I'm going to be working on this. This is all good. And just so you know, if you choose not to go in this direction, I'm going to set you up with somebody who can clean your gutters on an annual basis, Uh, and I was like, well, that was gutsy. That was risky, but he was looking at it and saying, you could pay, what he was saying was you could pay year after year, after year, after year, after year, but don't go up on your, on your letter again. Right. So, so this is the idea. How do you find those things about your customer? And it's not difficult, Jeff. It's really, really not. It's just, it's the kids. It's the, uh, the vacation spot. It's the bottle of wine. It's the baseball team. There's, this is. This is why god invented the weather so salespeople would have something to connect with with their customers we can always find something
0: i like that and one one trick that we've been teaching people lately that's had in tremendous results i work a lot in b2b so yeah. and typically in b2b you're making a prospecting call i'm setting am setting an appointment with you for an initial meeting so there's a and there's a tie between the prospecting call and the initial meeting and especially in virtual selling, we end up having a lot more of those meetings be canceled, if you, say, if you want to say it that way, or people are no-shows, if you're yeah. a meeting with a, on a video call versus, say, on, you know, in person. And the same thing for inside sales. When you're setting up a meeting by phone, there's going to be a lot more people that are going to no-show or cancel on you when you're right. showing up for a phone meeting. It's just easier. Yeah. So, so one little follow-up trick we've been teaching people is send a video message in between the two. When I set the meeting with you, I set the meeting and I send you a meeting request. And then a couple of days later, I send you a video message and I say, and I wave, I go, Hey, Jeb, it's Jeb, you know, from yeah. Sales Gravy. I can't wait to see you on Thursday. I, there's so much I want to learn about you and your business. And yeah. I'm, you know, I just can't wait to be there. Whatever you want to say, something nice, but it's just spontaneous, and nice and cool. It's really, really hard to no show on someone who's yeah. nice to you and smiling yeah. at you. And a video message is, is, personalize it's for one person. Yeah. You know, so and you can follow up with a voicemail or what have you, but th- that's that has reduced no shows almost in half for for most of our customers who are deploying that that process. And they just make
1: it human to human. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the book was written uh, before we hit the pandemic, but I was all in on video and it worked out pretty darn well because suddenly Mm -hmm. now the whole world is video, right? Uh, Interesting statistic. Zoom had 10 million subscribers back in December. Now it's at 300 million subscribers. So I I am all in on video and this device is so easy to use for that purpose. That video that you just described is going to take you 15 seconds to record. Mm -hmm. It's going to have zero. Zero cost, something that used to cost us thousands of dollars, and we can have it out to them in no time at all, and it's very difficult to ignore. This tool should not be cutting edge for video purposes, but it still is because nobody's using it. Uh, I, I say I am all in on video. Lean in. It, it, what's this saying? If a picture is worth a thousand words, a video is worth a thousand pictures, uh, we can communicate so much. And people still aren't doing it. Why I have no idea. I'm I am literally Jeff, I'm literally perplexed as to why more salespeople are not using video in their follow-up efforts. Makes no sense to me at all.
0: Some of it's fear, some of it's uh, people don't know how. What what we know to be true, and we've been an alden on video for a long time. So we wait before anything happened, we I have a video crew that travels with me everywhere we go. Now I have that luxury. So so let's just call it what it is. But let me tell you something. I did a follow-up video in the Abu Dhabi airport. Yeah. with a total stranger, and I said, hold my phone. I need to shoot a quick video in front of this camera. And I yeah. don't know if the person even spoke English, but they, they looked at me, and I said, press there. And yeah. I stood there, and I delivered a 30-second follow-up message to my client that I'd met in New York before I went to Abu Dhabi. And when I yeah. got off the airplane, I told them I was going. As soon as I got off the airplane, I texted the message to them, and they were like, yeah. holy cow, this is great, and totally angry. They still talk about it. But we've got videos where you know, I did a video in Kathmandu at the Monkey Temple for, we have a whole list of clients. I carry a, a piece of paper with me whenever I'm traveling, wherever I go. And these are the videos. And and today I've got several videos I have to do because my, my sales people will send them to me. But our close rate is 94% yeah. with, with cu- customers where we right. send a video in between the presentation and them buying. So we do a presentation. Yeah. There's a video into usually me saying thank you. But we also do follow-up videos after the sale. So when the sale is made, then we send a video and, we'll, and I'll send a video and say, thank you so much. We're really happy to work with you. Or with with you know, with a client where one of my trainers is teaching, you're going to love this trainer. They're fantastic. And I'll even sometimes put them next to me and go, Brad's yeah. awesome. You know. So yeah. But I think those follow-up videos really matter to people. We consume yeah. so much on video. And literally with the phone, the phone that's in your back pocket, you were holding it up, you can yeah. hold it up and, and i just have somebody hold it but i also yeah. have one of those little those little uh tripods that'll grip on anything sure you can Just set it up anywhere and just shoot a video and it doesn't have to be perfect but what i think yeah. is so important if it's authentic and it's spontaneous right. and and most of the time you don't need fancy equipment because the phone's good enough you're only right. sending it once so it's going to be consumed once and then thrown away right. So it's all about your personality that matters the most and, and what you're saying, and you know if you can do a cool thing at the Monkey Temple, that's cool too, because yeah. you know when there's monkeys jumping over your head, you're ducking in the middle of it, they're laughing yeah. because you know but right it's those type of things I think that make a huge difference uh, for your customers and I'll admit I don't think I'd do it enough. I think that I, we could we could do more follow- up here, and we just don't
1: yeah uh, and and it, when you look at the production of that. The fact that it's raw, that even if you are just holding it out you know in front of you like this, it, it's okay. Because what did we say? The superpowers are speed and personalization. You record a personal video, That's personal. that's personalization. That checks that mark. Do it quickly, you check both marks. And that's why you're finding su- such success along those lines, because other people aren't doing it. But th- make no mistake about it. We are in the video age. Video is not going away. You can jump in now while you're still ahead of the curve. Or in no time at all, you're going to get left behind. This that's is true. where we are going, and you got to use it.
0: It's true. It's hot right now, and that's why our, we have these video prospecting workshops, and they fill up every one of them. We, you know, yeah. we'll we'll put it out there, and within just a few hours, they're packed full of people who who want to learn the, you know, the art. And a lot of it's just reassuring people. I think that it's okay. That it doesn't have to be perfect. And we're all, you know, we're all a little tough uh, with, with ourselves on camera. And I know I have been. But I also wanna think, you know, people think about uh, direct messaging. So yeah. from Instagram to Facebook Messenger, and they're gonna be pr- making a little bit more integration with that. Uh, with yes. LinkedIn, with, uh, with, you know, with Twitter, uh, those are great places if you're working with a stakeholder group and there's multiple stakeholders. So you do a multiple stakeholder demo or what have you, and you know the person but you don't have either their email address or their phone number. And that happens a lot in the virtual world where you get on a call and you've got more people on there than you know. Right. You can just go around, the gatekeepers go around everything, skip past all the junk, and you just, you just go to one of the social media networks and you just send a direct message there. And the direct message can be really simple. It could be, Jeff, it was really nice to meet you. And you can send that through a, a connection request. It was really nice to meet you today on our virtual call. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing other questions you have, hearing your feedback. And it's a really nice way to get connected to the person. And then the follow-up is personalized because they were there and you were there. So yeah. you can use all of those different channels to connect with people and follow up and leave text messages, video messages, voice messages. All of those are available to you on those channels. So I think from my opinion, you know, by, my standpoint, there's never been a time in human history where it was easier to communicate with people in so many different ways so fast and mm-hmm. make it so personalized.
1: Right, right. And it's not going away anytime soon. So this is the idea. Do you want that sale? Prove that you want the sale. Uh, That's Just prove it. That's all you got to do. You got to prove it to your customer that you want the sale. So what are you willing to do? We're not talking about moving mountains here. There's not some complicated algorithm. I would argue that one of the most important things that you can do in your follow-up efforts is just to sit and think for about 30 seconds about a creative way to be able to reach out to this customer. Mm-hmm. When I say creative, I don't mean we're baking cakes. I, I, I mean, it's just very simple. What do I know about this person? How do I solve a problem that they don't have? Just, just that little bit of mental power can make all the difference in the world because you're going to prove that you out care. If you want the sale, prove it.
0: Well, one of the things that I do with, especially with, with, with uh, you know high value prospects that I know I've got to nurture over the long long hauls, they're not they're not in a buying window right now. They're not going to yeah. buy anything. So you know, calling them every day and going, "I really want your business," right. isn't going to do anything Completely. other than chase totally. them away. So what I do is I put them on a monthly text plan. So I know them, they know me, so I don't text people that don't know me. We've met before, they pushed me off, they made a decision to do business with uh, my competitor. There wasn't the time right, blah, 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 whatever the case is. And all I do is I'm always on the Wall Street Journal and I use a little tool called Feedly to bring blogs in from different industries Mm -hmm. and a little bit of Google Alerts. So I've got a lot of information coming in. So every single day I'm just scanning for things for myself in a lot of cases, but I'm aware of the industries that they're in. And so when I find a good article for them that I think is, is relevant to their situation, I just grab the article and I text it to him and I'll say, Hey, Jim. In fact, I ended up landing a meeting with the senior vice president of a very large company because it was something that was happening in his industry and he hadn't read it yet. And I just, I grabbed the article, snipped it from one of the industry blogs and said, Hey, Jim, I thought you might be interested in this article. I thought it was really good. And he just yeah. texted me back and said, thank you. Hey, I'm gonna be over in your, you know, in I'm gonna be over in Atlanta. Would you mm-hmm. be interested in getting together for lunch? And boom, there we are, you know, we're having yeah. a sales conversation. And all I did was, and it's systematic. I, this is not something that's random. I've right. got my list of of my of my prime, you know, my what I call conquest accounts, the ones that I want. But mm-hmm. I just stay, I just stay top of mind, but I'm yeah. relevant. I like I'm not sending them junk that they don't need.
1: Right. Because this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Go solve their problem. So even just the idea of being ill-informed about something that's happening in their industry or business and all, that's a problem that they don't even know they have, go solve their problem. Yep. Or if you're looking you're saying, you know what, I'm seeing something interesting. I'm seeing an interesting trend that I've heard from yes. several clients. I just want to let you know about that, even without asking for something in return, just to be able to solve their problem. Here's the information you do not have right now. So if I'm constantly asking the question, what, what? what should they know how can I serve I think we always we we tend to look at follow-up as take I I don't look at follow-up as take I look at follow-up as serve how do I just make you better at what it is that you do everybody knows how this game is played you you know I want your business because I asked you for it on our first meeting there's no (laughs) secrets here but now how do I serve how do I I think through what would make this person more effective more productive and what it is that they do so if I could
0: maybe wrap what you said up in a in one word, it sounds like what you're saying is that a lot of follow up is about nuance. It's a, it's about it's about understanding the playing field for each prospect, each customer, yeah. and so so you get what type of follow up you would work with with on them. So an example would be I sold a big account called Fujifilm at one point in my career. I left the, the, the buyer 52 uh, voicemail messages in a row every day. Yeah. Every morning yeah. at nine o'clock, I left him a voicemail message, same voicemail message. I didn't change it. It was the same one every single day. People are going like, oh my God, how could you do that? I mean, you know, 52 times of stalking. I'm, sure, I'm surprised you didn't put you in jail. Yeah. And what I explain is he had a contract expiring with my competitor those contracts have evergreen clauses in it. So that contract was gonna renew. If he Mm -hmm. didn't tell my competitor that he didn't wanna renew. And every other competitor in my territory was chasing that account because it was a $1.2 million deal. If that contract renewed or he signed with someone else, I'm gonna be locked out of that deal for five years because of the way the contracts worked in in our, our industry. So I had absolutely nothing to lose by calling this cat every right. day for 52 days because right. there, was a, there was going to be a point in time in about 60 days where it wouldn't make any sense anymore. We would cross the evergreen threshold. Yeah. So he finally called me back and said, are you ever going to quit calling me? And I went, no, not until you see me. And I yeah. saw him and I closed that deal and I went to Maui for our president's club. <laughs> I wouldn't do that with everybody. I wouldn't do, right. I mean, there, There's a million other prospects that I would never do that for. I wouldn't stalk yeah. them. So you got to know like the prospect that you're following up on. And by the way, where you are. So there's a difference between, I think, following up after you've delivered your final presentation, right, to following up on a deal that's in a buying window when there's a spot, to a long-term client, to after a trade show. So I'm curious on what your advice is, because I'm sure this is the number one question you get. I might be wrong, Jeff, Mm -hmm. but I'm guessing the number one question you get is, Jeff, so how many times should I follow up? Right.
1: I hear that all the time. And I think you are absolutely right, Jeff, from the perspective that I do not prescribe to this follow-up plan. This is my follow-up plan, because usually what you're going to hear from that person is, I'm going to put them into the system and we're going to spew out emails that are going to get quickly deleted. That's, this is my follow-up plan. So we always default to what's easy, not to what is right. And so I want to look at it and suggest that it doesn't take much to craft an individual follow-up plan for the people that – for each individual person you're working with. It's – we're not talking about something really difficult. Now, look, if a lead just goes ice cold on you and, and it wasn't that high-target a lead anyway, okay, fine. There's room for your CRM to be able to so – you can say, hey, it's probably time to reach back in. I get all that, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about those immediate conversations. You just got an internet lead that came to you, or you just had a presentation or whatever it is. What happens immediately? How can I craft the plan? It doesn't take long to be, and I, and I point this out, you know, I lay this out point by point in the book. It doesn't take long to be able to say, what am I going to do for this person in order to serve? Everybody knows what's going on here, but how do I serve? How do I solve their problems? If I can use speed and personalization, I'm miles ahead of everybody else.
0: So the last one is following up after you've delivered your final proposal. Yes. And and this is the question. There's a difference between following up in that you demonstrate desperation. So I yes. as, as I always teach salespeople, you know, buyers have a really funny way of running from salespeople who chase them. So yes. this is the nuance piece. So you deliver the final presentation. And then you're calling, 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 calling to see if they made a decision. Yeah. There's a difference between that. And then the salespeople who don't follow up at all. Yeah. Mostly because they're afraid to hear the truth, right? They know that right. they're not going to close a deal, but they don't just get it on the table. And, and so they yeah. hold off waiting. And like you said, time is not your friend here. So the longer you wait, the more likely yeah. you're not going to get a call. That's right. Talk to us a little bit about how you teach salespeople to understand the difference at the close in some cases you're going to close the deal on the spot but in my world we sell complex deals very often people need to go and sit down with their team they need to think through the 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 options they need to look at the proposal and it would be really nice if we could sell everybody look go for the juggler and close but that's just not reality in sales right so you do have to follow up you do need to show people you care but there is a very fine line between desperation yeah. And letting things sit too long. And I'm just yeah. curious on how you
1: teach that. Well, first of all, let's talk about how not to teach it. Our mutual friend, Art Subject, uh, talks about what he calls the parole officer follow up. Uh, just checking in, uh, which is, and you might as well finish the sentence, just checking in to see if I'm going to get paid on right. this deal. Cause that's really what's happening when you say just checking in. So first things first, let's take the term just checking in and get it out of our vocabulary. There's no value that's being provided to a client. When you say, I'm just checking in to protect my own interests. Let's just get that one out of there right from the very beginning. But then I would look at it and say, just because the proposal is already there, it's on the table doesn't mean it's time to stop serving. So if I'm asking the question, what can I do to either solve problems or to give them assurances they don't yet have? And I think one of the best ways to do this is speaking of video, uh you should have your best clients on video talking about their experience. And this is a great time to be able to come in after the fact and say, here's a client that we did business with this is the problem we solved. They were in a similar situation as you now if you don't have that, there's this thing called Zoom. Uh, where we can get on a video call with one of our existing clients and say, hey, can we just chat just a little bit? I want to lay it down and record it. It's a five-minute conversation about your experience that I want to send to the client. Because at that point, what's happening? They're in this deliberation phase, and they're trying to figure out, should we do this? Will I get hurt if I do this? Is this a good move? So a little reassurance from somebody who's not me might be a good way to do it. In other words, Jeb, the creativity does not stop just because the proposal is on the table. How do I make it easier for them to make a decision? If you answer that question, then the, the method is gonna fall out right in front of you.
0: I like that. So I, I love make it easier. Another option is to provide education so you can provide sure. additional insights to the different, uh, the cool. different stakeholders. Yeah. And then what my salespeople do, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but after they deliver a proposal, they drive me crazy. So they find me, they, get, they write a little script, they give me the bullet points and yeah. they say, you know, go have a kind of a conversation. In the physical world, what I used to do, Jeff, was I would take my regional vice president with me or anybody who had VP on their business card. Like if you flew in to have a meeting and you had VP, I'm the sales guy sitting outside the conference room going, hey, I need you to go on a deal with me because no executive is going to say no if there's money on the line. And I would take them with me and they would close the deal because they were never going to lose. They weren't going to walk out and leave the deal. So they would would do whatever they had to take to get it. This is a little harder in the virtual world. So what my salespeople do is they bring me in, they give me the script, and after they deliver the proposal, they have me send a video message to the customer. We typically will make those a little bit more produced, and 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 basically help them make a decision by telling them how much we appreciate them, how we're going to serve Certainly. them, what we yeah. do, how we help our customers. Uh, we do send you know testimonial video testimonials afterwards but it's a really good in between that keeps things going and like you said doesn't come off as self-serving and no. and I hate just checking in like that's the right. those are like the three words you should never have come out of your mouth right it's just right. awful so yeah. uh so fantastic conversation on follow up uh, let me let me give you the final word here so a couple of things Your final advice to salespeople on follow-up, the one thing that you think everybody needs to know right now, and then tell people how they can get the book and learn more about you.
1: Yeah, I, I want to end with this advice. Have fun. If you are not having fun with this, your client is not going to have fun with it. So just get creative. Have a little fun. Ask the question. Look, worst case scenario is you're going to lean into this. You're going to have a little fun and they're not going to buy from you well guess what this wasn't going to happen anyway so if i'm looking at it and saying how do i just leverage the relationship and just have a little fun if you have fun you're going to increase the chance that they have fun and when that emotional altitude rises you get a better chance of doing this so have have fun learn to enjoy follow-up if it's a drag you're doing it wrong. You can get the book on uh, Amazon and anything you want to follow here from me personally, our our Saturday five-minute sales training videos, they're free. Just go to jeffshore.com. Everything's there on jeffshore.com.
0: Awesome, Jeff. It was so nice to spend time with you. You were one of the true gentlemen in our business, and I appreciate you taking time with me uh, here in the clubhouse. Thanks for having
1: me on, Jeff. It was fun.
0: I hope this episode inspired you to start following up. And I bet there is a prospect or opportunity in your pipeline that you should go follow up with right now. And while you're on your way to following up, don't forget to download your free guide to managing your B2B sales team from home. And if you're not a sales manager, get the guide for your sales manager. You can pick it up at connectleader.com forward slash sales gravy. That's wwwconnectleader forward slash sales gravy.